0: My name is Korshmalaski. I'm on the pastoral staff. Uh, excited to be with you. Want to pray for our time as we open up God's word together? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, right now, uh, into this room come uh, many people with many backgrounds, many experiences, many battles with sin, different relationships, places of employment or study. God, we all come from different spheres, and we gather here right now that we might yield to you, yield to your word. God, if there be resistance that exists in our hearts and minds, will you help us, will you enable us to break through that, that the light of your word would shine in our hearts and minds and lives in new, fresh, exciting ways this morning. Holy Spirit, come and move in power. We pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to start uh, with with this confession this morning. I'm, I'm not a pet guy. And I apologize because as you get up and you speak publicly, one of the first things that they warn you to not do is to set up barriers between you and your listeners. And I just, when I confess that I'm not a pet guy, I've already lost... Show of hands, like half of you, three-quarters of you, all of you, right? I'm just not a pet guy. It's good for you. It's just not, it's just not good for me. It's just, I'll, I'll, I'll pet your pet once and then be done. Uh, I'm not opposed to you owning a loving Instagramming your pet. You can do that if you want to Instagram your pet. That's, that's your call. I'm just not. I wasn't raised with, with pets in the house. My, my wife was raised with seemingly all the animals of the kingdom. Um, <laughs> and I've been told that had I known Spud, Spud Dud, Spuddy, their beloved dog, that, that I would have become a dog lover, that, that Spud was so special that spud did things that were so amazing so compelling so otherworldly spud w- was more than a dog spud, spud was human like at times superhero like at times i mean if i had known spud would have loved spud would have loved all the animals of the world through Spud. (laughs) And and maybe that's true. Maybe I would have become a dog lover. But had I met and owned this dog right here, this this dog that, that can't catch to save his life, have you met this dog online? Have you seen this video? This dog has the worst catching abilities of any dog I've ever seen. The worst instincts. Like if I were to own a dog, one of the little delights I would get is I'll throw something in the air, and you'll jump and catch it with your mouth. It'll be amazing. And I don't know, just because I was a wide receiver in football, like like catching stuff, I I value that in life and in a pet. (laughs) You should be able to catch. And if you can't, I take issue with that. And so I take issue with this dog that can't catch to save his life. If you look closely enough, kind of five inches from the dog's mouth is a meatball. Friends, as you watch the video, that's the closest he gets to catching anything (laughs) in his mouth. Just the worst catching instincts of any dog ever, okay? Now, I want to transition that to like some of our instincts because we have instincts. One of the instincts that you and I have is we pull out our phone instinctively, and incessantly. We do this, right? Some of you have already pulled out your phone three or four times in the midst of this service, just, oh, I got buzzed. Ooh. oh, hey, what's going on? Oh, yeah, that's not a big deal. Nah, it's okay. you it buzz. oh. And then you stop talking to the person next to you so that you can engage this fake world on, online. Like, we do this, and... And I just look at this picture. People crossing the street. Everybody's got their phone out. I see uh, a gal with the blue hair. She's still on her longboard. She's skateboarding in the crosswalk with her phone out while smoking. She's doing all of this. (laughs) Like, bro in the foreground, he at least picked up his longboard. Like, don't want to do too much at one time. It's gotten so bad that Honolulu and Hawaii, they actually have laws now that you can't cross the crosswalk and be on your phone at the same time. Because they are saying to all of humanity, you lack good instincts when it comes to phone use while crossing the street. Now, all of that is going to tie in, not so much the dog that can't catch, uh, but this idea of instincts. And what... What are our natural instincts when it comes to God and living between two worlds? We've titled this sermon series, Life Between Two Worlds, because there is this world that we live in now, okay, that we move and we have our being in, this, this, that we can see and interact and taste and touch. But the Bible speaks of a different world, a, a world that is to come, the next world, And we believe that that world we will all enter into upon our death. Now, some of that world reaches into this world. That, in fact, God's kingdom has come. Not in totality, but in partiality. And we experience some of that that next world now, even as we experience this world. And so, this whole sermon series is kind of walking through this idea of we're between two worlds. we're kind of exiles and foreigners as we, as we come to Christ, as we trust in God, as we believe in him and, and organize our lives around that cross. No longer are we fully a person in this world, rather we're between two worlds and now we're exiles, we're, we're foreigners, we're kind of lost in between these two, longing for the next and yet dealing with this current world. And in the midst of that, we've had a chance to look at Peter's instruction to a group of people that were similarly displaced, exiles, kind of banished from what you and I might think of when we think of the promised land. There's an area that they were were, uh, living and experiencing uh, spiritual life and family life, work life, but by this point, this group of people, amongst all the other things they've experienced, they've been displaced, they've been exiled, they've been spread out, scattered throughout the known world at that time. And now they're engaging life, but as a minority, they're engaging life as not having authority and power. There are people coming against them as they live for this next world. And so in some ways, it's very apt that we're going through this book as we think about engaging this world, our world, our culture in the midst of the challenges that we face day in and day out. So if you have a Bible, it's a great time to pull it out. We're just gonna be tackling three verses today. Uh, We're at the start of chapter 2, we're going to be going through the first three verses there. Uh, as always, there are sermon notes as you enter the, the sanctuary, if, if that's helpful for you to kind of track where we're going. Otherwise, you can find all of this at HopeCC.com. It should come up, uh, and you can look at the sermon notes or the sermon slides um, as you would like. Let me read for us in this first of Peter's letters, beginning in chapter 2. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, And all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Instead, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, Milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's what we're gonna walk through. And at the end, I'm gonna kind of explain why we have this horse trough up front. I mean, there's a little bit, a little bit of concern, a little bit of anxiety I have about kind of like baptizing myself, uh, dunking myself here. Uh, We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about communion table, worship through song and and prayer. We got a lot that's gonna happen at the end of our service, but before we do, let me walk through this passage It begins by saying, therefore, and whenever you see that in Scripture, that ties itself to something that has come before, and so we have to ask ourselves, what is the therefore Therefore, Well, last week and in previous weeks, we've looked at chapter one. Let me recap just a little bit, just briefly. We need to move in. I'm getting the natty hand motion to move in, so if you have uh, space in the middle of your pew, if you wouldn't mind just kind of going toward your neighbor... I know it's a little bit awkward, um, but we'll make room for a little bit. It's Natty's own family that's standing in the back. You want to get seats for your family. I understand that. That's, that's all right. Thank you. There was, there was movement there. I see some spaces. Now back to our regular scheduled sermon. Um, so what is it the therefore, therefore? Let's go back to chapter one and see what came right before our passage for today. It says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. And the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So, what Peter is saying to his audience, to the church, to this scattered group, God's word comes forth, the gospel, this idea that Jesus lived, died, and was raised again, that word is being proclaimed to you. And what you experience in this world is a birth of perishable realities a perishable seed, giving birth to grass and flowers that fade and fall. That's our existence in this world. And yet you have the opportunity, the God who created has the power and the love and the wisdom and the willingness to cause you to be born again, this time of a different seed, an imperishable seed. So no longer are you of a grass and flower variety that is going to perish, that's going to fall, that's going to fade, but rather you are given to imperishable seed, which brings forth a form of grass, a flower that will never fall, never fade. That God, as he created once, he's able to recreate again, this time of an imperishable variety of an indestructible type of life. As Christ overcomes the grave, overcomes death, never to die again, he says, and you can have that too. And it's in this sense that our passage is set up for today. Therefore, because that's true, Because we're living in these two worlds where there's perishable and imperishable, and you experience some of the perishable, and as you come to Christ, you add to it that imperishable. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now, the assumption here is that Peter is sending this to the church, to believers, a group of believers, to this scattered church, and he's saying, you need to rid yourselves of these because they actually possess this. They do this. He wouldn't have to teach them, instruct them, warn them to get rid of these things if, in fact, they weren't a part of that community, but they are. So he has to say, even to believers, even to the church, you need to rid yourselves of these. As part of this world, your instinct is to do all of those things. To give yourselves to malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Let me give you an example. You pull out your phone and you scroll, and you see one of your best friends on a beach somewhere. And you have an instinctual response to that. Is it just me? Maybe I'm just preaching myself. You have a response. And it might not be rejoice with those who are rejoicing on a beach, right? We all have an instinctual response. And it might be envy. It might be like, I I want that. I I want what they have, right? Or let's say you're scrolling through and you lack something and then you see somebody that has something and there's there's all sorts of malice that comes with that. I think our instinctual response as perishable seeds is to do those things. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. We don't want that to be true, right? I think we all understand, hey, the the next world, life in God that we're talking about is church and we've talked about at Hope, and yet we still struggle in this area. Peter, in the midst of this, is saying, we need to set this aside. I'm gonna come, come back to this again and again, but let me just jump over to Ephesians chapter four. Gonna hit on this same concept of ridding ourselves, casting off, casting aside the old way of life. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be instead made new in the attitude of your not, minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul and Peter are in agreement here that just because we are born again of this imperishable seed in in such a way that we as grass and flowers will never fade, never die, it doesn't mean that there's no struggle, that there's no issues, that there's no temptations, that there's no sin, that there's no brokenness, no pain, no anxiety. But rather there's some degree in which We, as we navigate between two worlds, are responsible. Yes, Jesus says, come as you are. Come as you are. But he never says, stay as you are, right? As we experience this imperishable seed, this imperishable life, God is always gonna say, now that should impact you in your daily world, in your daily living. Paul says, put off your old self. Continue to embrace the new self. Peter says, rid yourselves of these sins and instead, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. And I would argue this this type of living is not instinctual. It doesn't come naturally. When we first hear the gospel, we hear, oh, my goodness. I can get a clean slate, sin forgiven. I get heaven in the end of all this. I think it's instinctual to grab onto Christ, but natural to reject his lordship. I think that's... that's the natural inclination. We hear about the gospel. We hear about Christ dying for us, taking our place on that cross. We say, yes, I want that. And we might neglect what's called the cost of discipleship. Where Jesus is gonna say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come experience the imperishable. And as you do, get rid of all the perishable. And we look at the perishable. There might be certain relationships, ways of living life, kind of like holding grudges against people. Don't like forgiving people. I want to maintain that perishable living. In this, he says, no, no, no. Like newborn infants crave pure spiritual milk. Now, could go down a huge bunny trail about the different debates amongst commentators of what is pure spiritual milk. Three-quarters of those commentators are gonna say it's the word of God. One-quarter are gonna say it's the word of God plus just life in Christ. I'm gonna to tend to agree with those in that, that minority there. Of it, it certainly incur, uh, includes the word of God, but I think it's much more expansive. Crave life in Christ. Crave, long for, be desperate for the things of God so that in that, you might grow up in your salvation. You might experience more of the next world now. God's kingdom has come. We even pray, may your will be done on earth in in my life as it is in heaven. And this passage is saying, crave that, long for that. Don't just come on a Sunday and ask for that and pray for that, but throughout the week, throughout your days, throughout your work and your studies, crave these things. Karen Jobs says about this, Peter uses the metaphor to instruct them to crave the things of God even as newborn babies crave milk instinctively, eagerly, and incessantly. Instinctively, eagerly, and incessantly. What is our instincts? Where's our eagerness? What do we do incessantly. And friends, I admit, one of the things I do is, if I have a pause, my natural inclination that I do incessantly and eagerly, because there's dopamine, there's right here at my fingertips, right? I pull it out. Arguably, there's nothing I do in my day more instinctively and more incessantly than pull out my phone. If statistics hold true in my life, I touch my phone thousands of times every day. Thousands. 10,000 taps, swipes, scrolls. Karen Jobs speaks to this idea of the metaphor, the analogy. Newborn infants are eager and instinctive, incessantly after milk in this case, compares that to our spiritual lives. I want to share the testimony of a hopester because I think it fits right here really well. Uh, Her name is Kelly Holm. I've been working with Erica Mesley. We're we're trying to connect with hope people and capture hope stories, and some of them might be testimonies about certain passages, certain struggles, certain issues. Um, When I think about this, what's being depicted in these verses, kind of this this single-mindedness, this level of focus, incessant, Eager, instinctive. I think it matches well with Kelly Holmes' profession. Kelly Holmes, um, uh, this is her family here, her husband Jason, and their kids. She is a full-time wife and mother, and she also does crossfit professionally. This is a picture of her at uh, the 2018 games, and I wanna I want her to share, kind of in her own words. Had a chance to interview her and just have her share about what it takes to be in professional CrossFit. So I think it's an apt comparison to what Peter is calling for here in the scriptures. Let's let's take a a listen to Kelly's experience in CrossFit.
1: In short, it it really becomes. Uh, anything that takes away from from the ultimate goal of performing at your very best which which can be a lot of things um a lot of seemingly maybe even good things i um i end up having to deprioritize choosing to to deprioritize a, a lot of um maybe involvement in maybe my kid's school i'm not the greatest classroom volunteer i'm not the best neighbor organizing progressive dinners i'm not the best um you know friend meeting people for coffee and having lunches things that i would maybe otherwise love to do that i have chosen to deprioritize because my time and my focus is on training and recovering Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a it's a lot of time investment in things like physical therapy appointments and and recovery and body work um making conscious choices to reduce unnecessary stress. Um, So all of those things, things that I'm committing to or involved in are measured against whether they are propelling me toward this goal or taking away from it. And that kind of becomes the stick against which I measure whether I'm Going to participate or involve mm-hmm. that in my life or not. Uh, but the nutrition part was really hard for me to come around to because I thought I ate healthy already. Mm-hmm. So having mm-hmm. to, to hone that in so much more was, was challenging. It took mm-hmm. a long time for me to get used to and, and not mm-hmm. feel maybe frustrated about mm-hmm. Um, I think even though I enjoy the, the hard work in it, the, the amount of time that I am spending, um, well, it's fun. So it, it is at the cost of other things, of other experiences. Um, you know, I, I, I am missing out on other things in order to, to make this a priority. And, you know, aside from being a wife and a mother, this has become kind of the, the thing that I'm focused on at this time in my life and I know it will be forever, but, um, but it's, it's hard to say no to things that sound and are really fun or very positive or, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, but you're choosing to say no to mm-hmm. some of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's something about setting a goal that's really lofty, something that maybe you're too, that's scary to even say aloud to someone, mm. uh, that when you, when you do that and you put it out there and you make it a goal and you are, you take the necessary steps every day, um, you're willing to accept the grind of the days that aren't very glamorous and aren't very exciting. um, Knowing that they are making steps toward that and then, and then reaching it is Mm -hmm. really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And um, it gives you, it's given me a huge appreciation for, for that daily grind, for the, Mm -hmm. the small decisions that maybe only make you 1% better, but at this level it really matters. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to be willing to to do those things that are the 1%. Mm -hmm. I, I have had opportunities in this environment to um, to respond to challenges and respond to hardships and setbacks um, in in ways that I know people are watching. I've, i I um, it's difficult at times to feel like how is what I'm doing really glorifying the kingdom? How am I really? making a difference. Is this just selfish or is it okay that this is something that I'm passionate about and love? And I I think, especially in the last year, I've been able to see how um, God uses your response to challenges and your response to conflict and your response to um, unforeseen setbacks in ways that people are watching and people see and people can tell when you uh, handle yourself differently than maybe the world would want you to or, or would expect you to. Um so I've been able to to develop relationships, like I said before, with with people that I wouldn't have otherwise seen and been able to kind of counsel and um and coach people through some tough life things. Uh, but also have have learned that it doesn't really matter whether you're in the church or in the gym or in the office. We all have mm. challenges and and it's about how you respond to those and and being willing to, to press into that difficulty and press into the hard, mm. and being willing to to glorify God in the process, even mm. when it doesn't make sense and it it's hard to accept.
0: Yeah. Awesome, thanks so much. Yeah. When Dan uh, Zeller and I were uh, doing that interview, there's just moments where I think he and I sense like this is this is an absurd level <laughs> of Training, an eating regimen—I mean, just uh, an eagerness, a zeal that she had for this—that was just lost on Dan and me. I'm just—I—I don't have an inclination to eat a chicken breast at 10:30 at night because I need to hit a certain protein level. It's just like I have a desire for French fries at that time. You know, I just like. (laughs) And just this solitary pursuit, and, and you heard her at the start of that say, there's just a lot of things I don't do because I'm focused on this. And I think as believers, that should be part of our vernacular, that there should be things in our lives that we're saying of, you know what, I, I don't do that. Maybe I used to do that, I used to spend my, but I don't do that anymore because I'm pursuing this other thing. When I used to live as a, as a part of this world, and I really gave myself to this world, and I was living for perishable reasons, boy, I spent all my time, all my money on that thing. But there should be a growing list for us as we go through our life where it's like, no, I'm trying to give myself more and more to the imperishable, my time, my heart, my money, to the more of the imperishable. Now, I want to make sure what you may have just heard and what I preached on uh, the, the verses and then I kind of show Kelly up there is like, okay, what I really need to do is rid myself of all these things and do these things and then everything's going to be okay. If I just get myself right and I rid myself of, of the sin and I crave the pure spiritual milk, then everything is going to be okay. And the words of Michael Scott, no! Remember this? <laughs> Remember when Toby comes back and he just... Michael Scott loses it, right? He just, no, God, please, no, right? Okay, if we end the sermon right there, that's religiosity. Just kind of do this, don't do this, and then God will accept you. That's religion. We don't, we want, the key to all of this is verse three. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. For some of your versions, it might say, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Friends, that's the key to all this. What is your perception of God? When you think about God, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Do you believe right now? I'm asking live, not not like I made a decision like that. Right now, do you believe that God is good? That God is for you and not against you? is that's what's coursing through your mind in your heart that my God is for me. He is with me in this life. He's alongside. He's out in front of. He's hemming me in from behind. He is with me. He is for me. Because that's what the gospel screams. If God wanted to abandon you, Jesus would not have gone to the cross for you. If he wanted to leave you on your own to figure this life out, to overcome sin, to through your own power, your own thinking, navigate this world, it's not what happened. God didn't do that. He sends his son. His son navigates this world, goes through this world, operates in this world, in the ways that we were called to but did not. He goes to the cross. He dies in our place to make a way for us, that there could be actually forgiveness of sin because of his death on the cross. But he doesn't stay dead. He is raised to new life to show that sin is not the greatest power in the world. Christ is. His indestructible life is. So as you sit there this morning, do you hold? Present tense, right now, are you holding on to the fact that God is good? Or is it that you're going through life and you start scrolling and you're tempted to put God on trial and say, all right, I'm going to measure God's goodness based on what I'm observing, what I'm seeing in this world. And so you scroll. Maybe you hit the news icon and you hit your news app and you see some suffering happening in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world. And you're tempted to think God's not good. If God were good, he would see this. He would do something about this. You scroll through maybe your social media apps and you see some things. You see somebody get something that you don't have and you're tempted to think, God, if you were with me, if you were for me, you'd give me that too. Because you know I want it. I long for that. Maybe you go on and you hit your email and you receive some bad news from home or from work and you're tempted to think, God, if you were really good, I'd be getting different news, a different email, a different communication. Our instincts are to observe something out there and then conclude something about God. Friends, almost always we will be in error Instead, we start with God, who he is, as he is depicted in his word. He is good. It says throughout his scriptures, go to Psalm 34, read it, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good, hope community. He is good. He is good. Is that getting through? Is it, I'm trying to press through work life, family life, Spiritual life, temptation, sin, brokenness, your experiences, your family history. I'm trying to get through all of that so that ultimately you can resonate. God is good. God is good to me. Are you there? Or is your instinct suggesting otherwise? We have bad instincts on this. We got to let God's word communicate truth to us this morning. if indeed that you've tasted that the Lord is good. That's the key. Because if you get there, then you will want pure spiritual milk and you'll want to rid yourself of all that sin. But if you don't have that God is good, that God is for you, then you're gonna try to secure goodness some other way. We're at, in a unique position, a, a fun position this morning to celebrate God's goodness corporately. We get the chance to do this as a gathered community. And, and my hope is that wherever you're at on this kind of spectrum of, of God is not for me, God is opposed to me, God is against me too, God is with me, for me, he stands in my place at the cross, wherever you're at on that spectrum, that in this group, we'll have an experience to showcase the goodness of God. Like, can you imagine going to a rock concert where you're the only one? I mean, there's something about getting together with community, with people, that allows you to experience things differently. So wherever you're at this morning, my hope is that we can have a shared experience that will showcase the goodness of God. How so? We have four things that are gonna happen simultaneously, one of which is baptism, okay? Baptism is where a person who has experienced that imperishable seed, they've, they've said yes to Christ. They've said yes to God's good news of favor through Jesus, that their sin's been forgiven, that they see Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. They've said yes to him, and they want to declare to all of you, I'm following Christ. I've given my life to him. And so what baptism expresses is that they've united themselves to Jesus in his death as they go into the water. That's symbolic of them uniting themselves to Jesus in his death. And they're raised up out of the water to symbolize they've been united with him in his resurrection. That they are guaranteed to enter in that that next world, that coming world, with Jesus. Another thing we're going to be doing is we're going to take part in communion. Communion. Communion is something that Jesus said that all of his followers could do in remembrance of him. After he was to die and be raised again and ascend to the Father, he said, you could do this. This meal, it's not a meal, it's just, it's bread and it's grape juice. He said, hey, eat this bread. This is my body broken for you. And this this cup represents my blood being shed for you. You can take this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to do that as a church. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you have received the gospel of Jesus you can come forward and take communion. You don't have to do a class, special class for that. You can come forward and take communion. We're gonna worship through song and there's lots of things that you could take away from the goodness of God, the goodness of these musicians and just God using artists to depict things that are hard to articulate with words, right? There's just something about music. you are like, it's emotional, it's hypersensitive. There's just something deeply personal about music. And yet, there'll also be wonderful lyrics that fill you and your minds with truth about who God is. There'll also be people that will be worshiping because they believe the words on the screen about the goodness of God. And so you'll see other people just lifting up hands or clapping or getting really excited to sing loud. It's another way in which we can see the goodness of God through God's people. And then prayer. There's gonna be people available that wanna pray with you, are willing to lift up things that you might have. And in this, the goodness of God is depicted as a listening ear that God always has time for you. He will always hear you. He always sees you. And so whatever you're carrying with you this morning, you can be prayed for. I know that that need is taken up before God. In the midst of all of this happening simultaneously, I thought about trying to get like a special effect where it just started like spinning that, uh, those four pictures together. Uh, it's going to be a little chaotic. And yet in the midst of all this, each aspect showcasing some way in which we're worshiping God and celebrating his goodness. And you might be in a position this morning where you, you don't believe that God is good. You don't believe that God loves you, that God sees you, that God cares about you. I was there as an 18 year old. That's where I was. I didn't sense those things. I didn't sense God's goodness. I didn't sense that He was for me. In fact, I felt like He was against me. And that's where the gospel is so important for you to hear that God is with you and for you through His Son. Hear that this morning. Let me give just a few words of instruction. In a moment, I'm going to pray for this uh, time. Um, at that point, those who have made the decision to get baptized uh, can go and get ready for that. If you have not been through our baptism class, but God's doing something, Holy Spirit is moving in your life, and you want to consider doing that even now, spontaneously. You have the opportunity. We'll have a couple elders um, that are available to talk with you. and Just make sure that we're on the same page about what baptism is and is not. We have clothes and we have towels, and we can make that happen today, if that's a desire that you have. Along with that, communion, we just kind of come down the front aisles and kind of peel off. we got tables in the, in the back. We have a gluten-free option to my, to my right, your left. Feel free at any point during the songs to come forth and take communion. The only requirement is that you're a follower of Jesus. In the midst of singing and prayer, it's open to all. Welcome for all to participate in singing and in prayer If you're in a place where you don't know of God's goodness, take this in. This is a moment, this is an expression of God's people showcasing the goodness of God during our time together. Observe. See. Taste. God is good. Hope community, God is good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, amidst all the reasons that the people in this room want to get rid of sin and crave spiritual milk, the, the number one reason ought to be that you are good, that you are glorious. God, may you be our hope and our stay. May you be our boast. May you be our source. May you be our foundation. God, may none of what's gonna happen over the next 20, 25 minutes be about us, but about your glory, your praise. All of this, in Jesus' name, amen.